0: This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, the Business Station.
1: It is exactly 5:08 and you're listening to the evening edition with Lynn Shaimila and Sharad. First up today, we're talking about the work that the NRC or the National Recovery Council are doing to help Malaysians in need.
2: So, well, uh, on the October the fifteenth, it was reported that the NRC proposed the creation of a centralized system to ease the process of distributing aid and assistance to the poor and the needy. Then, Chairman uh, Tan Sri Yasin Yassin said that almost all government agencies and ministries are involved in the distribution of aid, but there's still people who don't receive their aid. He added that the proposal must be considered at the highest level has there been an increase in the number of poor due to COVID-19.
3: Now, if you remember, the National Recovery Council was established in 2021 to replace the Special Committee on the National Recovery Plan. And the whole aim of the um, NRC was to transition out of um, the pandemic, um, and so recovery was a big part of this. Uh, now it seems like that idea of recovery is extending also to a question of social welfare, people and communities who are in need. So according to Mudin Yasin, he said that, um, according to eCase data, up till June, 2022, um, the head of each household who has slipped to become uh, part of the hardcore poor category increased from 145, uh, decreased from, sorry, let me repeat that, a lot of numbers. So from 45,000 in 2020, it's now increased to 145,000. So that's quite a large jump. He also mentioned that this increase reflects the reality that many are still forced to face difficult situations, not just because of the post-pandemic situation, but a rise in cost of living, uh, a decrease in
1: income, or in some cases, even the loss of jobs. So that's what we're going to be getting into, specifically the ways in which the NRC um, works, right, towards assisting people in need in our country. So uh, we're going to be speaking with Dr. Dr. Hartini Zainuddin, who is, of course, a member of the National Recovery Council and co-founder of Yaya Chowkit. We'd like to hear from you. What else can the NRC be doing here when it comes to providing the social welfare and Aid. Call double seven double three two nine hundred. Send a voice note or WhatsApp zero one eight seven eight nine double eight double nine. Tweet us at BFM radio.
2: Best flipping moments. BFM eighty nine point nine, the business station.
1: It is 5.11 and you're listening to the Evening Edition with Lynn Sharmila and Sharad. And together we are talking about the work that the National Recovery Council um, are doing to help Malaysians in need. So speaking with us now on this is Dr Dr. Hartini Zainuddin, member of the National Recovery Council, also co-founder of Yayasan Chowkid. Tini, thanks so much for speaking with us. Um, so the NRC is perhaps largely known to the public as a body that works to help citizens and the economy recover from the pandemic. How would you say it's evolved since its formation?
0: Well, I think you know when I came aboard it was already the second meeting um and I had urgent issues one of course was the fact that so many were hungry um and there were there didn't seem to be any formal collaboration um between the different sectors and then of course on child protection as well so you know as soon as I could which was i uh, uh, under any other matters I sort of had I think about 262 282 food please just through text messages. Yeah, this is, was not WhatsApp or all the different social media apps. Took my phone and put it against the screen because it was still virtual and, you know, and showed Tan Sri Den, and the rest of the NRC council that, you know, that, that that food aid was an immediate need um, and that we had to do something. So uh, the chairman Tan Sri and, and the council agreed that I would put together a PowerPoint presentation for the during the next council meeting. And sort of share so that that initiative on doing emergency food distribution has now turned into creating a whole um, movement on food security and food um, sovereignty um, looking at ways in which the different sectors whether they be government bodies uh, the different NGOs community leaders um, corporates all come together to address this issue and to look at um, sort of long-term sustainable um, solutions to addressing the issue while also, you know, ensuring that, you know, people who need food get food, especially now during the flood. So it's turned into a whole movement, which is exciting and scary because I still have to sort of push and spearhead this along with other, other members and other people who are working with me. So, yeah, it's gone bigger, <laughs> much bigger.
2: So what role does the NRC play now?
0: So what the NRC does is uh, what they did after my first pre- initial presentation was they, they got approval and, you know, we were vetted by the Ministry of Finance, you know, and they had to do due diligence. So we partnered with the ASN Hazana, um, which obviously distributed the, the funds to us. Uh, to ensure that, you know, we we distributed the funds through the six NGO partners that we work with. So, yes, and Hazana, you know, vetted, went through the process, made sure, you know, we had milestones and KPIs and when we had to redo the reporting and then, you know, vet our partners and everybody. So, you know, we have Red Crescent, we have Mercy, we have Pit Stop Cafe, we have other NGOs as well. Um, YCK, obviously, um, working together to ensure that we distribute food and then being able to do the transparency and accountability and reporting. Um, so they gave us two million ringgit to start with, and then um, NRC sort of reports in, and holds all of me, holds me especially accountable to what happens next, and to make sure that there is a proper reporting procedure and that there is due diligence and steps taken to come up with with an intelligent and yet compassionate way of looking at addressing food security and to ensure that it's sustainable and and, and sort of cut cross-cutting across all the different um, issues as well the social protection issues so it does address um, sort of issues on looking at uh, honing talent upskilling the poor making sure that you know the objectives of resilience and uh, sustainability is there looking at ways in which we sort of build on on what's needed and you know address the issue on the rising food prices as well so it's it's cross-cutting it I think it's different it's innovative and and it's a real collaboration. So that's what NRC overseas and trusts uh, the NGOs enough to be able to drive this because it's the non- non-profit sector and the civil society that's driving this. Yeah? It's community driven, which is a first. It's not government driven. We work in collaboration with the government. So
3: when it was first established the NRC had several threshold values to determine how well our post pandemic recovery was going. So for instance, daily COVID numbers, the vaccination rates, does all this still apply when we talk about recovery?
0: Yes. Um so every council meeting, which is every two weeks. Oh well except now, of course, because because you know we have elections. But every two weeks, we'd have the council meeting that went on for three hours. We'd start with the COVID numbers, etc., and then move on to the different protection issues, or, or you know, different issues, whether it's the economy or looking at workforce and you know the the gaps in 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 recovering through SMEs, or in my case, social protection issues because that's what I I, I obviously um, lean towards. Um, yeah, and seeing how we can sort of build this cohesive, you know, big master plan on looking at um, the different um, approaches to addressing recovery um, and to ensure that every Malaysian and even even those who are, are in Malaysia get the maximum amount of protection and to ensure that the needs are met and that we can really, really um, push forward. So it is a cohesive, deliberate, accountable, sustainable way of addressing issues. So,
1: how does the NRC plan on improving social protection and welfare for vulnerable groups? What are some strategies being put in place?
0: So, right now we're going in with food security. Like, so I'm doing social protection issues, but obviously, you know, you're looking at health, you're looking at housing, you're looking at education, you're looking at, you know, other um, issues affecting uh, the poorest and the most vulnerable. So, looking at it from a multi pronged approach. Uh, bringing in different sectors, like i said there it was actual trust um given by NRC to allow civil society and NGOs to lead and, and very much community-based and community driven to lead one part of the recovery issue, which is a first, um, and being able to, you know, ensure that they they give us the support and um the financial means to be able to do what we need to do. But then also um leveraging on on, on us knowing some of the gaps that perhaps the government Initiatives right now aren't able to 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 fulfill, and ensuring that we have this big master plan to be able to help as many and include as many as possible. Um, so that's one, and then using food as a means to be able to identify all the other social protection issues. So you use food. You know, to be able to help and aid people and then being able to identify then what other needs are needed, whether it's kids not in school or the elderly or looking at the disabled or looking at, you know, who, how many are unemployed, seeing what um, are the SMEs and, and and the different corporate bodies that are in the sector who would be able to support and help um, aligning um, strategies and, you know, and private initiatives to ensure that we are aligned with the national uh, agenda set by the government uh being able to ensure that we are accountable and you know that we that we we need to answer questions and, and to be able to answer the public on where funds are going, what are uh, what are our um sort of improvements that are making and whether they are sustainable. Because I, I know that down the line and and across the board, you know, ensuring that 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 different ways of tackling an issue has to happen because it is insurmountable a lot of the issues that are happening, but we're doing it step by step.
2: So, Tini, why is it important for the NRC to prioritize the recovery of social welfare issues involving vulnerable groups?
0: I think a lot, for a large part, especially in the early part of the pandemic, a lot of it was firefighting and not knowing what's going on. You take the issue on food now because, you know, we're coming in and we're saying, look, there's no formal collaboration. The government's doing this, but you're leaving out these people. Um, so, you know, we have granular data. So if you put the granular data in what we're doing and mapping out who is where and what and in, and identifying the groups that have may or may not have been identified by the government, we can ensure that there's no overlapping of beneficiaries, for example, there's no de- Simplicity of aid, it's more efficient, you know, there's no p- potential abuse of hoarding items, you know, we ensure that there's less fragmentation of coordination, you know, we have red tape fatigue, yeah? And and we don't have that many resources. We need to pull everything together. We need to collaborate. Um, we need to collaborate manpower and volunteers. We need to bring the nation together to to nation build and to recover, to do things. And it's not insurmountable, not if we all work together and not if we collaborate. And we are because we're representatives of the people. We are the people. Um And, you know, and it's not difficult to come in as either you volunteer your time or your expertise or you bring in money, but there is a space for everyone to help. And that's the point.
3: What are some of the obstacles or issues that come up when um, aiding these vulnerable groups?
0: I think some of the obstacles that we're facing is obviously um, the fact that we lack enough resources um, and enough manpower. But I think, uh, I'll be frank, it's politicising what NRC does. You know, I feel very strongly that being part of NRC ensured that Um, civil society, which for many, many years, and most of the time, have no access to decision makers, ministers, heads of government bodies, um, now had that pathway. And because, you know, we had that, we have that pathway through NRC, and we were included, we can show and demonstrate how we can contribute to you know, whatever issues are needed to help with the recovery. And 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 that is why, um, you know, I've come out in support of NRC, not because of anything, but you can really see the impact on on, on how we can help and how we can contribute, that there are gaps they need to do. And really, it's all hands on decks, not just government. And we can complement a lot of what the government initiatives and other corporates are doing. And do we sort of then... NRC can have the master plan, which, you know, is shared with the cabinet um, as well on on what is needed and what has to happen and, and the steps we're taking. And I think we're so much better off as a country when we do that. And and I, I wholeheartedly, truly believe that NRC is contributing to ensuring that the recovery happens. Well, at least for the social protection issues as well, but loads of hard questions were we'll asked. Those meetings, like three hours long, sometimes longer. You know, when nobody sits around and drinks coffee, let's put it that way.
1: <laughs> so, talk to us about your role within the NRC.
0: I'm still trying to push the child protection, which the government, which NRC listened to as well, um, looking at statistics. You know, when we when we present, right, when every council member. Presents. There is extensive research and vetting that happens. There's a lot of questioning. We don't just suddenly show up and pop up and and present, right? That's a lot of vetting and discussions that go on in our presentation and keeping it succinct and to the point and ensuring that you know the council members and the cabinet, therefore, uh, you know, gets as much information as we can and we tell you what is happening. And I think what what I do as you know a representative of civil society is bring the voices of the voiceless. And the most vulnerable amongst us to the table and saying, Dear Chairman, dear Tanshi, dear council members, this is what's going on. Um, and actually, you know, showing data, or showing videos, or showing pictures, or showing text messages. And saying, "Please listen," and they listen. So, I'm sorry, you, you get rid of NRC. <laughs> Where are we supposed to go? I'm going to be knocking outside the doors of government agencies, and we're not going to be allowed in, depending on whether they like you or you're popular or not. And this is not a popularity contest. This is a need.
2: So, why is it important to have activists and members of civil society like yourself involved in the operations of a government unit like the NRC?
0: Because we represent the people, and we really, really try, and we hold accountable. I do anything. I make one mistake. It is not like, you know, Twitter or anyone is going to hold me accountable. The people hold me accountable, yeah? They know whether I'm lying or I'm missing points. I get told off many, many times. I get scolded many, many times. And I have a duty and obligation, myself personally, and, you know, as a member of Yaya San Child care and Child Child Protection, to ensure that we help as many, many, many children and the families and communities as possible. So, you know, it's only in the best interest to keep us in check and hold us accountable and share whatever it is that we know, because too many times we work in silos. And you know what? Now is not the time. There are no silos. This is, this is a tsunami wave that's hitting us over and over again. We've got the floods. We've got recession. We've got poor people who cannot afford chicken and eggs. When has this ever happened? You know, it's chicken and eggs, especially like no food. Come on. This is Malaysia. So you, it is all hands on deck. We are trying to include everyone and just you know reminding and ensuring that we do and you know then said something to me the first time he said do not exclude anyone i said i won't i promise do not in- exclude any state do not exclude you know and it's not like it's so much resources yeah we still have to find but there are ways in you know the comfort and and strength and support um lies in the fact that we know nrc has our backs so you
3: mentioned your specific concerns earlier, but what programs or initiatives within the NRC are you involved in that you can share with us?
0: Well, a food security. So in fact, tomorrow I, I fly back from Bangkok and I go jump straight into two meetings: one pitching to a corporate uh, to get involved in food security, and then with the Johor state government because they are actually going to to implement stage two of the NRC's proposal on food security and bringing in all the government and corporate and ngos in for tomorrow Our meetings at five um so that's one um looking at health um access to health for the most vulnerable in rural areas and the most vulnerable amongst us, which includes children um and the elderly and we're also i'm also obviously looking at um, bringing together because i'm not the expert on you know community mental health um looking at different Um, areas in social protection, which also we have brought up education, the fact that early childhood education is decimated amongst the private sectors that 25% of early childhood education is gone. Um, How are you bringing back single mothers who are many, many times the head of households in very rural areas or in, in different states? What are you going to do? Mothers can't work in informal sectors if children can't go to school. What about housing? What about all these different things? So, you know, with the NRC and saying, oh, I'm a member of the NRC council, people talk to me, yeah? I'm sorry, people are not gonna to talk to me because I'm teeny indigenous, from the ASM Child Kit, you know, because that's seen just as an expert or experience in child protection. But people talk to me because I'm part of the NRC council and they think maybe, maybe this once, um, you know, we can really make a change together.
1: So moving forward, what future do you see for the NRC?
0: To continue until we're no longer needed, I guess. But honestly, I don't know. Um What do I see? I see a better future for Malaysia. I see us recovering. I see us working together and I see a change and shift in the way we do business as usual and that we definitely get to include more. And if you want to hit those SDG goals, it's a process. And NRC is definitely part of those, that, that process and that, and, and that movement um, to create better change for almost all and include everybody that's marginalized and left out, left out for whatever reason. But making sure that they're in and, and, and ensuring that there is a platform for the most vulnerable and the voiceless amongst us.
1: Tini. Thanks so much for speaking with us. That was Datuk Dr. Hartini Zainuddin, member of the National Recovery Council, as well as co-founder of Yayasan Chowkit, talking about what the NRC is doing in terms of providing social welfare and aid or, or working towards that. We'd like to hear from you. What else can the NRC be doing here? Call 7733 2900, send a voice note or WhatsApp 18 and tweet us at BFM Radio.